I mean, I'm going to christen him the Jamaican bobsled team of our league because, I mean, how unlikely is he? <laughs> Why not? You're just looking around going, where did he even come from? Jamaica! Uh, Feel the so rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Feel the pride. Get on up. It's, it's Penny Horn time. <laughs> it's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so, yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under-20 demographic. It was a fizzer. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in like an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. G'day, g'day, and welcome to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Maddie C. I'm the host of the show. I'm the commissioner of the Astros Fantasy Football League, which obviously lends its name to this great show. And I am also just one of those fantasy football managers who's hanging on by whatever he can to the hope of a playoff spot, even though that is a very, very dim flame at all. And it has so many chances to be extinguished, like many folks found out this week themselves. Plenty on the show today. We're going to dive into some news. We'll recap some results and then also get into the standings and have a real good hard look at the playoff picture and which teams are really performing at the right time of year. As I said in the Instagram video just yesterday, hey, there's actually a myriad of of different things that could happen, all contingent on a couple of these results. So we'll dive into the results in just a minute and get to the bottom of that. But first, the news. The results are in, the people have spoken. That's what it comes down to. We're not the no fun league. But you need time to negotiate that. That's what my wife says, very quick. Uh, Let's jump in and do this thing. All right, let's start at quarterbacks. Now, Joe Burrow has hurt his finger, and it looks like he's hurt everything because he's not playing terribly well in terms of fantasy points. And while they mounted a bit of a comeback against the Chargers, uh, then all of a sudden, Joe Mixon fumble turned everything on its head. Now, Joe Burrow, not expecting to miss any time with his hurt finger, but gee... If the way they played later in that game is anything to go by, he could be a tough own. Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants, is still in trouble with his neck injury. And it turns out uh, there is a great likelihood he's going to miss this week as well. Now, Mike Lennon came from the field in last weekend's match. So we'll just, I guess, keep a bit of an eye on what goes on there because it may downgrade other Giants players a little bit further. And, uh, I mean, gee, it's not looking good for Daniel Jones. Having a quick look at a couple of these wide receivers too because Keenan Allen uh, was one of the many players, uh, but no, not probably fantasy relevant for a lot of these guys, but probably the biggest name of players who was placed on a COVID list today. Depending on his vaccination status, this would be one where it's just kind of precautionary at this stage of the week and he might still go ahead and play later in the week. Uh, they actually play the Giants, but uh, watch his space because Keenan Allen clearly coming off a two-touchdown day and has been quite a relevant receiver in the last six or seven weeks. Um, yeah, watch, watch out what goes on here. Some bad news for some other guys too. Adam Thielen, who rolled his ankle and uh, hurt that pretty badly. He hasn't done any severe damage by the look of it, but gee, with Thursday night football this week, he could be, you know, up against it to get into the starting lineup again for this week. So he may end up finding himself rested. I mean, I don't know that the Vikings can afford to do that, but we'll see what happens there. So keep an eye out. 
Uh, Corey Davis, the Jets' new recruit wide receiver this year, is having season-ending surgery to repair a core muscle injury, or as we might call it, a groin. So good luck to Corey Davis. A sad way to finish his first year in that big money contract at the Jets. And last one I wanted to bring up was the dickhole himself, tight end Logan Thomas, who hurt his knee pretty badly, left the game. There was a lot of fears that he might have torn his MCL and ACL. And while the first scans have not confirmed those things, uh, it still doesn't look great for Logan Thomas. So watch this space. That's a tick in the win column. For- Number one. You lose. You suck. Well, I'm ready to get into some results, and results there were a plenty. We'll start over in the East, where Pete had got that division all wrapped up, and he was going up against the Squares Mungers. As called by your boy, Matty C, all gingers unite as TC goes ahead and puts the pain on Pete and gets the win. He got great contributions out of some good players too. David Montgomery goes up and throws up a 24. It's 15 out of Hunter Renfro. The Colts' defense holding the Texans scoreless in Houston was fantastic, worth 19 points, and then also a big 14 out of Mike. Williams, 13 out of Hawkinson. So just contributions all round for TCs. He rolls up 124 points and beats Pete. He throws up a good old 106 and does it on the back of Matt Stafford's 29. 18 for James Conner, who had one of the cooler receptions of the weekend on his way to that receiving touchdown. If you haven't seen it, Google that up. And then contributions from Harrison Butker and the Buccaneers defense combining 24 between them. Oh, sorry, don't forget Russell Gage. 130 receiving yards. Would have been a bigger day too if he hadn't had that fumble but 17 and a half points a nice day out for him but Pete all up 106 points is not going to get it done against TC and TC keeps any hope he had of causing some troubles for everybody else in the league alive and strong he goes up and throws up 124 to 106 win on the other side of the division the Jizz Pots they were in the hunt for one of these wild card spots and they threw up another 138 points this week as they go on to completely extend the playmaking bobsled team. Now, Kenny goes into the week six and six, second in the division. He leaves the week last in the division, and we'll get into that. What a week for the old playmaking bobsled team. Over in the south, a very disappointing week, as again, called by yours truly, the Vinegar Strokes having a tough week, but they go out and throw up 90. Nine points almost. It was it was a bit of a rough one. Patrick Mahomes, only 11 points. Have a go at the guys who outscored Patrick Mahomes this week on Taylor's team. Sony Michelle, as you predict, 21.4 points. Yikes. Keenan Allen had 19. And then Austin Eckler had 15. And G. Mike Badgley, the kicker for the Colts, almost outdueled Patrick Mahomes as he goes up and throws up 10 points. Well, Mahomes had 11 and a half, so wasn't that far off. On the other side of the bed, we saw Deontay Johnson throw up 27 and a half for the Gnomes, but then his entire rest of the team combined for just 60, which is you know, really, really horrible. Poor old Gnomes, his season well and truly over and done with now as he drops to 5 and 8. Taylor goes to 10 and 3. We'll see what that does to the standings in a little bit. The other result in the South that made things really interesting was that the Struggle Town Sausage Dogs made this a close one. I think I'd only called it by a handful of points to go his way over the Canberra Crusaders, but Tim Tim made it a matchup, especially when he got 34 points out of Kyler Murray in his return. Goes up and throws up a 15 with CeeDee Lamb on the Thursday night game and then had 20 out of the Chargers defense, including that wonderful return touchdown. And, and I mean, they caused four turnovers, so you're always going to have a good day with six sacks and four turnovers. On the other side, Struggle Town had the balls to start Taysom Hill, and I guess it came off as they go and throw up 23 
6.6 points there on the back of 101 yards rushing and a couple of passing touchdowns. Almost 20 out of Josh Jacobs and 24 out of Cooper Cup. 11 out of the Cardinals defense and a, a solidish 13 out of Najee Harris. These two teams both roll up 109 points. Jolio with 109.66 gets the win over Tim Tim and the Crusaders, 109.12. Now, during this matchup, Ramondre Stevenson actually had enough yards on the table to give him a lead, and then he went and rushed for negative 10 yards over three plays in a small period of time that actually wound the score backwards. And then just as the clock was winding down, Stevenson did not get on the field enough to try and reclaim those yards. So a .54 is the margin between these guys. It is only the second closest margin through the whole season. You had the tie, so there was no margin. And then there was one where Jackal and myself played out one that was .3 the difference. And this is the next one behind that. This result is going to have big implications for the rest of the league. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. Over in the West... Ryan, who had sewn up his playoff spot last week, I guess no better time to have a little bit of an off week than when you know that your destiny is a little bit sealed. But that said, I think he was looking to really press ahead a chance to take on a top two spot and buy himself a bye in week 15. He met Marky Mark's side, who've been great in this last month, and we can get into a little bit more detail around that as this show rolls on. He got contributions from pretty much everyone. Javonte Williams, in his coming out party against Kansas City in Kansas, runs up 102 yards, also has 75 receiving yards and a touchdown with 28 points. What a day out. Jalen Waddle waddling along with 14. Matt Gay kicking him from everywhere. He had three field goals and four extra points to get him 19 points. And then Tua had 19 as well. So just contributions all over the board. 10 from Jerry Judy as well. On the other side, Tom Brady throws up 40 for the Cornhuskers and T. Higgins bags 25. And then, well, Michael Pittman had 14 and nothing else. No one else. So that was it. All these points came from three people. And it just wasn't enough as he loses this one, 102 to 115. A good result for Marky Mark. It moves him to 6-6-1 six, six and one and drops Ryan to 9-4. and four. On the other side of the same uh, division, we had the Brendox Burbend go and dispose of the Olakan Space Pirates. This is enough to make sure that Olakan finished in dead last this year after he was right at the top. He's completed the, compl- he's completed the evolution of the penthouse to the outhouse going from he's had that nine and four season last year which is good enough to be outright first this year he's going to drop to three and ten uh, he's going to have a lot of ping pong balls in the off season brendan with the win though it jumps him to eight and five and if you've got eight wins that's good enough for a playoff spot well done mate it's good to see you back in the playoffs i've kept this one to the end because it is the yeast division the least division uh the division where there's no feast it is the East, and it starts with Jackal's quarantine going out head-to-head. This is a top-of-the-division battle with Queensland football team. So they were one and two going into the week for the division. Queensland football team held the playoff spot by virtue of being 6-5-1. and one. Mike goes in 6-6, six and six and he gets the win. He goes and throws up 120 points to 98, knocks off the Queensland football team in a matchup that, oh, gee, if, if Queensland football team had won it, would have sealed the division with a week to go. Now that he loses it, it throws everything into despair. This is why I've left this one till last because there's all kinds of implications from this matchup too. But 22 from Cousins, 19 from Gronkowski, and 20 from Jake Elliott. And then also a pretty handy 13 from Van Jefferson and 14 from Tony Pollard, 19 from Antonio Gibson. Pretty well everyone contributed. And uh, it didn't matter that he only got 1.4 out of Tim Patrick and 6 out of Brandon Bolden on that horrible Monday night football game. 
across the hallway. If it wasn't George Kittle, it didn't happen. 36 points for George Kittle. 181 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And that was it. That was all of Queensland football team scoring. He got 17 out of Heineke, and the only other person in double figures was the shadow of Saquon Barkley, who had 55 rushing yards, a bunch of receiving yards in that horrible loss to Miami. And it doesn't look like it's going to get much better this week, given their quarterback situation. Final matchup of the round is my dreadful Karabakh Kings team playing only the champions. Well, the son of the champion is Karabakh. Go and throw up 104.5 and defeat Tendula Booker 75. So a handsome 30-point win, but... It's not so much satisfaction when you beat the champ's nine-year-old son. I'm going to stop assuming it's a nine-year-old son and just assume that it's, uh, you know, Scuba who can't do shit all and his team's horrible. Miles Sanders is the high watermark at 16.7, which is a horrible thing to say because it's been dreadful all year. And if he's the best thing you got on your team, then you know the rest of it's not going to be great. Lamar Jackson throws up a 12 and Mike Evans has a 13 and, and nobody else really sniffs double figures. On the other side of the hallway... Suffering the Joe Burrow game of 13.6. So he outscores Lamar Jackson by a full point. But really, I'm getting saved at the moment by Leonard Fournette and Elijah Mitchell. Between them, they're going to throw up 35 points. Not a trouble. And uh, my wide receiver's just doing enough this week to get me by. Uh, a kicker and a defense combining for 20 points as well. Also pretty handy. It's cool to be a space pirate. Going to do our Karabar Kings. The Queensland football team. $10 hooker never looks so good. I'm going to keep deleting everything I get wrong. Back to the drawing board for gnomes. Bad in itself was a hindrance. Bye-bye, loser. All right, so division by division, let's have a look at these standings. Just a quick thing to note is that the league this week, the average was 102. For the season, it's been 103. But oddly, in the last four weeks combined, it's been 97. Over in the north, let's start there. Pete, he had already sewn up the division and with that loss to TC this week, it drops into nine and four, but he's still got three clear wins on everyone else in the division with only a week to go. Uh, he has 1,500 points in scoring, as does Justin, who with his win catapults up into second place in the division. It turns out Justin has more points than Pete, nine more points than Pete, but for a team who are under 500, for him to now be clearly second in the league in scoring is absurd. We haven't seen anything this horrific in terms of a great scoring team being so far behind on wins and losses since Mark in the 2018 season, where he was also second in scoring and finished outside of the playoffs with a 6-7 and seven record too. The bonus here for Justin is that he does get that one last game to try and pull himself up to 500, but he's not going to get a shot at a playoff spot, and I'll explain why in a little bit. To round out this division, TC 6-7 with 13.83 points and Ken also 6-7, 12.05. What's amazing is that the worst ranking in this division is going to have six wins. That is guaranteed and that is terrific. The North really representing well with 109 points as the average in a world where the average for the season has been 103. They've got the mantle of high scoring division from the South who are averaging 106 this year, so still a little above average. It's pulled up a lot by Taylor who is 10 and 3 with 1,600 points in scoring. Jolio is second with 8 and 5 record, 14-21. He's going to own a wildcard spot for the time being. The other two guys in this division have had tough seasons, 4 and 9 for Jerry's Gnomes and Tim Tim's Crusaders. They both have under 1,300 points of scoring and a plan for ping pong balls now. 
Over in the West, I'm going to go to the West next because they have 102 points of scoring and are pretty close to league average. They're held up by Ryan a little bit with his 9-4 record and 14-78 in scoring. Second in that division with 8-5 record and currently in the other wildcard spot is Brendan with 14-29. So he and Joel, both 8-5, and, and there's literally 8 points in scoring between those two for the 5th and 6th seeds at the moment. Marky Mark is barely out of that equation, but he's just out of it enough now that his season has been snuffed. He goes to 6-6-1. Six, six, a win and a half behind Brendan. One week to go. Tough result there, Marky Mark. Seahorse rounds out the division 3 and 10, 1,054 points of scoring. Better luck next year, Seahorse. Over in the east, and I've left this one till last, Jackal currently leads. He is 7 and 6, 12, 22 in scoring. Second is Adam. He is 6, 6 and 1. And have a look at his scoring. He's currently 1182. So he has got the least scoring in the division. It's barely less than Scuba, who had another horrendous week and is 1188 in scoring. But but next in the division after Adam, who is 6, 6 and 1, he's only a half a win behind Jackal. Um, which, you know, so if Adam can win next week, he will propel himself up to 7, 6, and 1. And it means that Jackal would have to win as well since those guys don't play each other. They just played each other. I'm in third in that division at 6 and 7, 1,307 points. Actually, the most points, but in third. Scuba rounds it out 4 and 9, 11, 88. So in terms of scoring, I've got the most followed by Jackal than... Uh, Scuba and Adam just, just, just outscoring Adam. But it means that even though he is wildly in the hunt for a playoff spot and has the least scoring in the division, he's actually got the second least amount of points in the entire league, Adam, which is kind of amazing. Let's have a look at the overall, and Taylor is first, as you might expect, 10 and 3, 1,600 points. And currently, even though both these guys are 9 and 4, Pete and Ryan, they're second and third, but by virtue of Pete having 1,537 points in scoring, and it's good, you know, sort of 55 points more than Ryan. So those two guys are in the buy spots right now. Ryan, third overall, 9 and 4, 1,478. Then you get a couple of wildcard teams who are fourth and fifth in the overall. BJ, 8 and 5, 14, 29, and Jolly O, the Snag Dogs, 8 and 5, 14, 21. And then have a go at this, Jackal, in sixth overall and also a division leading team, 7 and 6, 1,222. 200 clear points behind both Joel and Brendan, and 250 points behind Ryan, and 310 points behind Pete, and 380 points behind Taylor. But look at him, 7 and 6, that is clearly the sixth best record in the league. Then 7th and 8th, the guys who are exactly 500. Through 13 weeks, that's amazing. Both Mark and Adam are 6, 6, and 1. Marky Mark, the CMC's, is 1,367 in scoring, and Adam only 180 points behind at 1,182. 9th in the overall, and these are teams who are below 500. Justin, 6 and 7, 15, 46 makes him the second highest scoring team in the league. TC is in 10th at 6 and 7, 13, 83. Then my side, the Carabar Drunk Peacocks at 6 and 7, 13, 07. Kenny Ken is the last of the 6 and 7 teams with the Playmaking Bobsled team, 1,205 in scoring. Then you get the 4 and 9 teams, Jerry, 1,277. Tim and the Crusader side, 12.33, and Scuba, 11.88 with his $10 booker team. And last of all, Seahorse, the Olacan Space Pirates, 3 and 10, 1,054. 
If the playoffs were to start today, you've got the one seed Taylor, 10 and three, the two seed Pete, nine and four, with about 50 points more scoring than Ryan. Then in the three seed, you got Ryan, who would be taking the lower seed of the um, wildcard guys. The fourth seed at the moment would be Jackal by virtue of him leading the East Division. He would get fifth overall, which at the moment is Brendox Birdman, who are second place in the West. And that would be an interesting matchup. This is one where Jackal considers Brendan to be his biggest rival. And if you are ever going to play a playoff game, debut playoff game, you might as well play it against your biggest rival. At the moment, it would be Jackal 7 and 6 hosting the 8 and 5 Brendox Birdman. The sixth place team is Jolly O, the Struggle Town Snag Dogs. They are also 8 and 5, just one win behind Ryan. They would be representing the South as the second team in from the South. And they would be going to Cornhuskers. The winner of that Snag Dogs Cornhuskers game would have the right to play Pete, Jiggity Jagged Edge. The winner of the Jackal and Brendox Birdmen matchup would have the right to face the 10 and 3 Vinegar Strokes. Quarterback, your secret quarterback. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Just a, a lowercase s in front of the QB. Yeah, my husband's not going to let me be on this podcast anymore after that. Hey, fuck that skinny little freckled bastard. I didn't have the river-sized ball sack to actually <laughs> go after the top 20. Now, I didn't want to go too far into madness this week, but when it comes to stats, I've got two sets that I thought were super interesting. The first one, we have now got 13 weeks of data into our expected wins matrix, and I love this, because as you go from left to right and you look at the North Division, you could expect that TC would have seven wins. He's got six wins. He's only a win behind because his scoring's actually been pretty good, even though early on in the season. He had two big weeks, then he had about five horrendous weeks. And in the last six weeks, he's really pulled it up and had four scores above 120 out of the last six weeks. So all of a sudden, his team not looking so bad. It's a pity he's out of contention. Jeez Potts have scored so well. It's amazing he's only got six wins when he could expect to have eight and a half with the scoring he's got. He's been above average eight times. And so for him to have eight and a half expected wins and be two and a half behind it with only six just Seems like such a pity after he'd made it into the playoffs last year. He definitely has the scariest team not to make the playoffs this year. Jiggity Jagged Edge, this is Pete's side, have been above average 10 times, got nine wins, and I've actually tabbed up. He should have nine expected wins. He is the only team at a flush zero. How about that? Playmaker, the bobsled team over there, they've been above average just four times this year. You could expect them to have exactly four expected wins. They've got six wins. They are living two above their means, which really means two of those wins probably should have gone to Justin. The Struggle Town Sausage Dogs in the south have been above average seven times. They've got eight wins. But gee, the way they've gone about their scoring has been so peculiar. They've got a score of 140, a score of 150, a score, a couple of scores of 120. And then they've just kind of limped past average a couple of times. So in all, I've got that they should have 5.9 expected wins, but they've got eight wins. So they're two and a half above their means. And beside them in the same division, Gnomes have four wins. You could expect them to have... Um, you know, around four expected wins. They've got 3.8, given that they've been above average four times. And a couple of times they've been above average, they've really slammed it. Uh, and other times they've, they've been nowhere near it. So in all, you could expect them to have 3.8 expected wins, and they've got four. So they're pretty close. The Crusaders also within one of their expected wins total, having been above average five times, four wins. I pegged that they should have 4.9 expected wins. Now, Taylor, I know he's going to be super interested in this. He's been above average 10 times. Considering this week he didn't make it above average, he hasn't been above average now either either of the last two weeks. He's got 10 wins, and I've got him pegged that he should have 10 and a half. So it turns out he's only half a win robbed now. So 
You can stop crying for me, Argentina. Over in the West, you've got Cornhuskers who've been above average 10 times for nine wins. I've tabbed out they should have 9.1. So they're actually the second closest to even on this metric. The Space Pirates have got two... um, The Space Pirates have been above average twice... They've got three wins. I've only tabbed out they should have 1.1 wins, so they're living 1.9 above their means. Now, these two, I think, are super compelling. You've got the Birdmen. They've been above average nine times. They've got eight wins. I think they should have nine wins. They're negative one. Also in the same division, the Miami... They were called the Myalina Dolphins for the longest time, and now they're called the Miami CMCs, and they don't even have CMC. I, I might have to petition Mark for another name change. He's been above average seven times. He's got six and a half wins. I think he could have seven and a half wins, and it just goes to show yes, the difference between, you know, just one-tenth of a point in that matchup with Adam could have made a huge difference. He is 0.9 behind. He is 0.9 behind, and imagine that. If he just got that result, he'd only be 0.4 behind. <sighs> Let's go to the south where Adam is... Six and a half wins. He's been above average just two times this season. Equal low in the league with Seahorse. I've got that he should have had four expected wins, and here he is with six and a half. So he's two and a half above his means. He is the one team in the league who've got the most over-expected, and Justin have got the most under-expected. Those two could totally trade. Also in the plus column in the south, almost everybody, $10 booker above average three times this year for four wins when I reckon he could have two and a half, so he's one and a half over. Jackal also living in the same kind of rare air, five weeks above average, thank goodness this week was one of them. Five expected wins, but here he is with seven, so he's living two above. And then my side's kind of this odd one out because I've got seven weeks above average, six wins, and the way I've scored, you could expect I could have as many as 7.3 wins, so I'm 1.3 behind. And then, you know, that turns out in the whole league, uh, behind Justin, I've got the second largest gap between how many expected wins I could have versus how many I do have in the negative. Uh, Most other teams are really either within a a win and doing okay, or uh, gee, there's five teams that are more than a win and a half above. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys Podcast, and you are listening to the Astral League Podcast. These Aussies know NFL fantasy football. Now, the other thing I looked at in terms of averages that I thought was interesting is, well, how do you rate scoring in the last month? Because in the last month, the actual the scoring average has been so depressed with all these bye weeks and injuries and COVID holdouts. And it turns out the league average, including this week's scoring, where we had 102 points, the league average has been 97. So, funnily, not funnily at all, eight teams in the league are scoring above 97 in the last month. And I don't think this is a huge surprise, but the number one scoring team in the last four weeks has been Justin's Jizz Pots at 126.1. He is going to miss the playoffs, something savage, and it's not really fair. The second highest scoring team in the last four weeks is Marky Mark at 107.7. He too is going to miss the playoffs at 6-6-1, even if he can get to 7-6-1. He's out of the wildcard spots. Brendan, though, is the first team on this list who are in the playoffs. They are in the five seed as we speak with 107.1. And he is edging out Pete, who is currently the second seed. He's been scoring 106.7 in the last month, which is above Taylor, the number one seed. Taylor has been scoring 106.5 in the last month. And he is, in fact, the fifth highest scoring in this last four-week stretch. Then you get Joel and TC, who are tied for sixth, both scoring 105.7. And Ryan, who is clearly eighth, at 101. So that covers five of the playoff teams in that eight. The only ones in that mix who aren't playoff teams are Justin and Mark at the top, and then TC sort of buried somewhere in the middle. Then... 
everybody in my division is part of this this next conglomerate. And I lead the way of it because I am the top of the bottom. Let's leave it that way. I am the top of the bottom. I'm scoring 100.4, which is still above that 97 point average. Uh, but you know, it's like being the world's tallest gnome there. Speaking of gnomes, Jerry, 96.7 points is 10th in the last month from Jackal, 92.3. Tim, 91.1. This is the Crusaders side. Adam, who is 89.1 of the last month. Then you get the real strugglers. Kenny, the poor fellow, the Playmaker bobsled team, 73.6. Scuba, who I'm going to need a result from this week against Jackal at 71.9. And then Seahorse rounds it out at 69.98. Poor old Seahorse. Jesus, you've got to be up at 8am. Because, man, I beat the shit out of some of these. Next thing we're talking about cats in space, you know? I don't know. I think you're going to write a book about this in the future. Pack an extra pair of undies. <laughs> Maybe two pairs of undies, mate. This is going to be brutal. Wow. You know, he, he seems self-deprecating. I, I was always yes. a Heaton fan. It's going to be an interesting week in the league this week with our preview show. Come and find us for that, too, because we're going to be back for that. Uh, we're going to go through all of the previews for the next week. We'll talk a bit about what gets our goat and have a reflection on last week's Goober and Super picks from Taylor. He'll go ahead and pick some new ones, and then we're going to do our starts of the week. A little bit of recap on starts of the week for me, though. I uh, was actually pretty happy with my starts of the week. This week, I actually picked three guys who all played. Uh, we'll recap how that actually went, but gee, it was the closest one we've had yet. Uh, and also, it was really, really close, where Taylor and I both, we went through and picked who we thought were going to win this week, and it turns out we got three out of four, which is fantastic return to form after last week. We got one out of four each, and uh, gee, Taylor was lucky to get any... Uh, if I hadn't won, he would have come up with a big old donut. So, uh, wow, get a load of that. Also true that if he didn't win, I would have got a donut. So we kind of saved each other there. Uh, come back and find that show. We are on Facebook and Instagram. You can find all our content there at Astro League Podcast. We're also going to do some listener mail on there too. So make sure you send through any questions you might have to us through the DM there or on Twitter at Astro League Pod. We do have a good old-fashioned email address you can do the same thing with, Podcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find our online presence with our merchandise store. Just today, I saw my old mate, Gobs from the Bub and Gob Show drinking from his Astro League podcast mug. You could do the same. Go and find it. It's all there at tpublic forward slash Astro League podcast. I'm going to be back with the later week show with Taylor. I'm looking forward to it too because we've got a bunch of playoff stuff to talk about and I've got some awards to give out. Come and find us on that one. It's going to be released on Friday before Thursday night football because being Aussie Aussie, it means that uh, the game isn't going to kick off until about midday here. So come and find us. We'll have those shows up on Friday. In the meantime, good luck. If you're in a league which is in the Astro League and you're on the playoff push, uh, hopefully everything's working out roses for you and you can get into your playoffs and go and cause some trouble. I'll catch you guys on the Friday show. Hooroo! Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.